0: Welcome to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Podcast, where we strive to share an authentic interpretation of Mason's life work. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy the program. Supplies for Nature Notebooking by Nicole Hanfield. In my first article on Nature Notebooks, I invited you to enter with open heart and eyes into gods out of doors. In my next article I explained how to expand your nature notebooking experience in phases. For this third article in the series, I've teamed up with Art Middlekoff to talk about supplies for observing nature and capturing it in the nature notebook. While our goal in nature study is not to create beautiful museum pieces, like we see in the country diary of an Edwardian lady, nevertheless, it is important that we write and draw something. To have the fullest encounter with nature, we need to not only take it all in, we also need to write something out. Having the right supplies can make that easier. When I first started my nature notebook journey, I had no idea what to buy. So I ended up frustrated after wasting a lot of money. I would like to save you from that same frustration and expense. While I could discuss the pros and cons of Nature Notebook Supplies for several days, there are so many variables and I really don't know your specific situation. I want to be helpful, but I think the best way I can do that is to simply explain what we use in my family and in my classes with just a little discussion about the reasons why. After that, at least to some degree, you'll have to figure out what works best for you. One theme you'll notice in my recommendations is quality. Low quality supplies can frustrate you and your children because they just don't function consistently. And I don't want you to give up because you think you can't do this when it's really just a supply problem. I encourage you to get the best artist grade you can comfortably afford and avoid student grade if you possibly can. Notebooks. Not surprisingly, The foundational element in your Nature Notebook supply kit is the notebook itself. When we think about what makes for a good notebook, it's helpful to look back at the history of the Nature Notebook in Charlotte Mason's House of Education. About a year ago, Art Middlekoff had the opportunity to examine some actual student notebooks at the Armit Museum in Ambleside. Here's what he found.
1: When I opened the box in the Armit archive that contained the actual student nature notebooks from Charlotte Mason's teacher training college, the first thing I noticed was the official lettering embossed on the tan cover, the House of Education Nature Notebook. I was struck with the thought that this was no random or ad hoc design. The leadership of the House of Education had obviously put some thought into how a nature notebook should be assembled. I wondered if perhaps Charlotte Mason herself had determined the design characteristics. I looked at three notebooks and all had the exact same dimensions, 7 inches by 9 inches. The letters on the green cover of the second notebook read, House of Education, Students, Nature Notebook. While the third simply read, in the same embossed lettering, Nature Notebook, Interleaved. Later study confirmed, my intuition, that Mason herself had indeed designed the notebook. In volume 34 of the Parents' Review, we read,
2: In founding the House of Education in Ambleside, it was Miss Mason's intention that her students should become familiar with these beauties of nature, and the nature notebook, which she designed, is a symbol of their knowledge, that precious green book with its red title House of Education, Student's Nature Notebook, which is the peculiar privilege of the student. The inside of the book is nothing more than good drawing paper for painting without pencil outlines until the possessor begins to make it the record of her own observations.
1: But it turns out that at one time there was no standard design for the notebook and variety reigned.
3: Herbert Geldart writes... The way in which the present form of Ambleside Nature Notebook, with which no doubt many of us are acquainted, came to be adopted was that in the early time there was much difference in the books used. Some were large, some small, some had excellent paper, some very inferior into which colors sank, leaving ragged outlines. The only point in which they almost all agreed was in being badly bound. This bad quality of paper caused a good deal of trouble in placing some of the books because allowance had to be made for the material used. All these things being brought under notice, the House of Education provided the present pattern, which has excellent paper, good for painting upon, is firmly bound and puts all the students on an equality, and will last as books on which so much care and labor have been spent should do for many years, and it is very cheap. I'm told that these books are a very great success, and very largely used by others besides the students. The third notebook I saw was probably one of
1: these earlier versions, as it had the matching title, Nature Notebook. I find it interesting that the standard dimensions of 7 inches by 9 inches were maintained over time. An interesting book review in Volume 15 of the Parents Review described yet another design feature of some Nature
3: Notebooks. The Eaton Nature Study Notebook designed by Wilfred Mark Webb, FLS, Spottiswood & Company, Eaton College, 36. This is the perfection of a nature notebook, made of double paper, a blank page of cartridge for drawing on the one side, and a ruled page for writing on the other. The cover of charming green linen is so arranged that new sheets can be added. In fact, we have here a perfect nature notebook.
1: The writer of the book review is not specified, which leads me to believe it was Charlotte Mason who was the general editor of the parents' review at that time. It's obvious to me why the reviewer liked the idea of having blank pages alternating with ruled pages. Charlotte Mason's model for nature notebooking involved a concept of brush drawings and diary-like journal entries. In fact, of the three notebooks I saw at the Armit, One of them followed this exact design. It was the third notebook with the cover title Nature Notebook Interleaved. It's not clear to me why this design was not fully embraced. For some reason, the House of Education official notebooks contained only blank pages. All three sample notebooks dated 1896, 1910, and 1925 contained roughly the same number of pages containing between 87 and 99 leaves of paper for a total of 174 to 198 writable pages.
0: As Geldart noticed, as early as 1898, a poorly constructed nature notebook can take the joy out of nature study. I think it is important to take the time to find the right notebook. Here are my bottom line notebook guidelines, regardless of the brand. Number one, a sewn binding with a flexible spine will allow your notebook to lie flat. A glued binding means that pages will eventually fall out if the book is opened to lie flat. I personally do not care for spiral binding on the Nature Notebook, and of course the House of Education notebooks didn't have spiral binding either. I think there's a temptation for beginners to want something with perforated pages or a spiral binding so that they can rip out anything that's not good. Or maybe that was just me. After reading a lot more about it, I realized that I was missing the point of the Nature Notebook entirely. Even professional artists aren't happy with every piece. We are doing this for the process more than for the product, and we can learn something from every painting session. My favorite structure is the sewn binding. Even with a sewn binding, though, some notebooks will not lie flat because of a stiff hardcover spine. Think about some of your favorite hardcover books. It is possible to find nature notebooks with very soft spines and sewn bindings in order to open completely flat while painting. Number two, size is also important. In my experience, children can get overwhelmed with a large page for the nature notebook so I like to start Form 1 and 2 students with a 5 by 8 inch book. For my own nature notebook, I'm happy to use anything from a 5 by 7 inch to an 8 by 12 inch. Number 3. The paper needs to be thick enough to handle watercolor without buckling and without showing through to the back of the page. While you can get away with using multimedia paper, watercolor paper contains sizing which keeps the paint on top of the paper. I recommend starting with a basic weight watercolor paper, 140 pounds. But you could even use a thicker watercolor paper, 300 pounds. Quality paper is more expensive, but it accepts the watercolor better, so keep that in mind, especially for beginners. If you use a thinner weight paper, you may experience some bleeding through to the back of the page, but you could just use one side of each double page spread. There are other variables with paper cold versus hot press, cold is bumpy, hot is smooth, opacity, curling, and how the paint interacts with the paper. So try a bunch of different papers to find out what you like best. I like to use Stillman and Burns soft cover notebooks because they meet all three of my criteria. The sewn binding combined with a soft spine allows them to lie perfectly flat, the sizes work great, and the paper's really nice. I appreciate the beauty and the symmetry of matching notebooks, so it makes me happy to see several of these lined up on my shelf. The Alpha has 46 sheets, 92 pages, while still providing a decent 100-pound paper. My daughter is using the Stillman & soft Softcover Alpha in the smaller 55 by 85 for her nature notebook. I used the Stillman and Burn alpha soft cover for my nature notebook in the eight by ten inch during 2018, but I found that with my painting style, the one hundred pound paper occasionally started to shred and it clumped in my painting. This might not affect everyone, but I wanted to find something better. The Stillman and Burn soft cover Zeta uses thicker paper, one hundred eighty pound which is a big step up from the Alpha, but it only comes with 26 sheets, 52 pages in one book. It makes sense. Thicker paper is bulkier, and this would be fine if you don't mind using more than one notebook in a year, or if you only paint once a week, and you don't mind painting on both sides of the paper. I have a Stillman & Burns soft cover Zeta that I planned to use for 2019, but I haven't started using it yet. I would recommend the Zeta over the Alpha because the paper is thicker, but I really think both are great notebooks. For about five years now, I've been struggling to find the perfect nature notebook for me that has paper that I love. My absolute favorite watercolor paper is Cold Press Arches Aquarelle 140 pound 100% cotton rag, but it's expensive. You can buy it in pads, but in the past, I was never able to find any notebooks made with Arches or any other brand, 100% cotton paper. However, I recently discovered handmade notebooks made with Arches watercolor paper on Etsy. I ordered the sketchbook Arches 140-pound cold-press handmade large size from Nature Sketches. This gives me 24 Arches sheets and 6 sheets of smooth Bristol paper. I also ordered the watercolor journal A5 from Lake Michigan Book Press, which gives me 32 sheets. Even though I haven't had a chance to thoroughly try them out yet, I heartily recommend them both because I know how well the Arches paper performs. Both books have sewn bindings with flexible spines so that they lie completely flat when opened And they both appear to be very well made. Brushes and watercolors. Okay, so you found a notebook with really great paper. It's just the right size, and it opens totally flat. Now you need a brush. I think I can honestly say that I have tried all the brushes. A good watercolor brush is an investment, but if you take care of it, and you definitely should take the time to learn how to do that, It will serve you well for many years. We typically use a number six or a number eight Escada Reserve Kolinsky, number eight Silver Black Velvet 3000S Round, or a number six Golden Maple. I would recommend any of these brushes for brush drawing lessons or indoor nature notebook painting, but I would not recommend brushes from craft stores or brushes that come with paint sets. Now let's talk about brands of watercolors. I mostly use tubes from Daniel Smith, but I have a few tubes from Windsor & Newton and a couple of half pans from Greenleaf & Blueberry. I also use a mini-mister, which is a small spray bottle that fits inside my paint palette. I spray my paints before I get started, which softens them and makes it easier to get a lot of pigment on my brush. I don't want to discuss specific colors just yet, because first I need to explain a bit about color theory, which I plan to do in a future article. Suffice it to say, I start with recommendations from artists I admire and go from there. Let's not forget about the nature notes. We don't just describe what we observe in pictures. We also narrate what we observe in words. For this, I typically write my notes lightly with my very favorite mechanical pencil. Then I decide if I like the way the page is filled up and assess word choice. Then I write over the notes in pen, when I know I won't run out of room or have an awkward gap. Most of the time, I don't know the name of the specimen right away, so I leave a space for the common name, which I like to write in modern calligraphy with a split nib dipped in black ink. And then the Latin name, which I write below the common name in basic cursive. Lenses. One of the major goals of nature notebooking is to increase our habit of observation of nature. Not everything we observe in nature can be completely observed with the naked eye. This was recognized in the PNAU days as Agnes Drury talked about magnifying with a hand lens in her 1941 Parents Review article entitled How to Keep a Nature Notebook. I sometimes find it useful to use lenses to magnify specimens, but frankly, I've not found the perfect device yet, so I use several. One lens that I often reach for is my Bellomo 10X Triplet Loop Folding Magnifier. Honestly, I do find a jeweler's loop kind of difficult to use, however, you can make it work if you bring the loop and the specimen pretty close to your eye. It helps if you hold the loop with one hand that is also touching a part of your face for stability. Then, touch your hands, one holding the loop and one holding the specimen together, again for stability. Then, still touching your hands together, move the object slowly closer or farther from the loop until you get a clear image. There are helpful videos on YouTube which show how this is done. The jeweler's loop is challenging for a moving specimen, but if you can figure out how to use it properly, it's great for something still, like a rock. Another magnification device I use is the Carson MicroBright Plus 60X to 120X Power LED Lighted Pocket Microscope, MM300. This is a handheld microscope that actually works really well. It comes with a hood and built-in light, which can be really helpful. However, the light sometimes distorts the colors. We've really enjoyed exploring pond water critters on glass slides with these. I also have a very simple Carson Lumi Loop series pre-focused stand magnifier loop, LL10. This is great because the built-in hood makes it easy for younger children to focus while also letting plenty of light in. I think young children would have more success with this lens than the two I discussed above. Art will now share about another category of lenses.
1: A different kind of magnification is needed when we are observing birds, and you never know when a nature walk will turn into a bird walk. Agnes Drury observed this in 1923.
2: There is a delightfully casual element in nature walks. We simply choose which way to go, and then nature does the rest, because Ambleside is an unrivaled spot to learn in. We like to be teased when the nature walk lingers to watch a dipper or a grey wagtail, or the bird walk finds the yellow gegea or the marsh sinkfoil, as if we were poaching on each other's preserves. For the fact is that we take whatever comes and the unexpected almost always happens.
1: Since the unexpected almost always happens, I always like to have my binoculars on hand whenever I'm out in nature. In fact, I travel with them whenever I can, especially if I might find myself in any spot to learn. Christine Cooper of the House of Education explains why binoculars, field glasses, are so important for observing birds.
2: A pair of field glasses are of great use in bird stalking and bird walks because it is so difficult to get a clear idea of a bird's colouring unless one is quite close to it. A good deal of time should be given to watching birds in order to learn their habits and, if possible, to know their chief food, whether it be land or water plants or insects or small fish.
1: As with other supplies for nature study, there is simply no substitute for quality. Pete Dunn, the bard of birding, wrote that 200 to $300 is, with few exceptions, the least you should expect to pay for a decent, durable, birder-worthy binocular. If you want to reap the benefits that Cooper describes, then I encourage you to save up for at least that amount. Dunn recommends a 7x or 8x magnification for beginners, and he says to never buy a zoom or a binocular that features a permanent or fixed focus. Many years ago, I purchased a pair of Leupold Cascades 8x42, and I still love them to this day. I also got the quick-release binocular harness, which makes the field glasses easier to carry and use. Honestly, there's nothing I don't like about them. They've been with me to Australia, India, and even the Seychelles. Through those lenses, I was able to see several of the fewer than 1,000 Seychelles black parrots alive in the wild.
0: Clothing I would also like to include a note about clothing. Charlotte Mason emphasized its importance, and proper clothing can contribute quite a bit to your enjoyment of being outdoors. I am talking in a word about wool. Wool is really better than polyester and many other fabrics. It is both insulating and breathable. It can get wet and still keep you warm as long as you change into dry clothing once you get home. In fact, Charlotte Mason would say that the only time you should wear waterproof, non-breathable garments over your clothing is while you're out running errands, because it would not be practical to change once you get to your destination. There are quite a few companies selling 100% merino wool knits that are machine washable and not at all itchy. Switching to wool can significantly reduce your volume of laundry, because it really takes a lot to soil wool clothing. And when properly aired out, wool tends not to retain odors. For more information on the clinically proven benefits of wool, please see the recent article by my husband. It is also important to have a bag to hold your Nature Notebook supplies in one place. Cross-body bags made for iPads work well. Generally, I think smaller is better so that you can't fill it up with so much stuff that it's burdensome to carry. My bag is just big enough for my nature study essentials. What are those essentials? Well, in a large part, it depends on whether you plan to paint outdoors. Painting in the field. We know that in the era of the PNEU, the general pattern was to collect specimens during the nature walk and then bring them back to the schoolroom for painting. For example,
2: we read The children. Keep a nature notebook in which they record anything interesting they have noticed with regard to nature. In it, they paint specimens which they bring home from their walks.
0: For younger children, I think this is the most sensible pattern. However, I would like to suggest three reasons why painting outdoors in the field can be a good idea. Number one. Proper ecological stewardship requires that we be careful about removing specimens from nature. While it may be fine to bring home a leaf or a branch from the ground, it is another thing to pluck a living wildflower, especially from a state or national park. If you want to enjoy the benefits of close observation and painting some of the most beautiful forms in God's creation, it may be necessary to paint in the field. Number two. I believe that parents should keep nature notebooks and should set the example for their children. I find that with my busy life and household responsibilities, it is easier for me to get focused time painting when I'm actually out in the field. It can be a restful and peaceful time of mother culture when I can both observe and paint out in nature. While my children have not yet found this same benefit, I imagine they will when they get into their teen years. Number three. Charlotte Mason talks a lot about the benefit of being outdoors in fresh air. Even taking a specimen to a picnic table, rather than all the way home, can be a way to enjoy nature notebooking at a table while still experiencing sunshine and air. So what supplies are needed for painting in the field? The primary consideration is the brush. Brush drying requires water, and it is extremely important not to dump water with paint residue in the wild. In order to ensure clean and safe use of water, I prefer the Pentel water brush, size large. You might think you need a variety of sizes, or that a large wouldn't allow you to paint details, but this brush, surprisingly, comes to a delightful point, and it consistently springs back. I find that the flat purple Kurataki Fude brush to be useful for painting trees, but it's certainly not necessary. When you're out in the field, you also need a compact way to transport and access your paint. I use the Meiden Metal Palette, about $14 on Amazon without paint. It is advertised as holding 24 half pans, But if you don't want to keep your water brush in the middle, you can add 11 more half pans with blue tack, bringing you up to 36 colors if you count the squirt of white gouache you can add directly on the mixing tray. That's a lot of colors! I added six gouache colors in mine because there was so much room. One of the great things about these palettes is how easy it is to pop the half pans in and out because of the flexible metal tray. As you spend more time getting to know your paints, you may find that you like to rearrange your palette a few times a year, as I do. Another consideration is that you typically won't have a table out in the field, so it's handy to have an old sock with the toe cut off, worn around your wrist on the non-dominant hand. You can use this to wipe excess water from your brush and to clean the brush when changing colors. It is also helpful to have a piece of plain paper. This can be used to give your specimen a white background, which can also help you to see the light and dark areas without distractions from the background. It can also be placed in your notebook if your page isn't quite dry when you have to pack up and run after a toddler who's fallen into the water. Not that that's ever happened to me. When I go out for nature study, my bag contains the following items. In the main compartment, the nature notebook, sock, and palette. The front pocket, a handful of pens, a pencil or two, extra filled water brushes, and my magnification lenses. Of course, I'm sure art would say that I should make room for binoculars, too. I hope you find all these suggestions helpful, but I can't emphasize enough that you should not wait for the perfect instruments before going outside into nature. The most important thing is just to get started. But if you've been going outside and want to make the experience better, I hope you've found some useful tips here. So what's in your nature bag? Have you found the perfect nature notebook? Do you have any experience with any of the items I've listed above? Do you have any specific supplies questions? Let me know in the comments.
1: About the author, Nicole is the director of the In a Large Room Retreat, editor of Charlotte Mason and the Great Recognition, book and art print, and co-founder of the In a Large Room community. She and her husband, Kent, are raising four boisterous kids, including one with complex special needs near Washington, D.C. Nicole credits her Nature Notebook for her intervals of lucidity. You can follow her Amateur Nature Notebook Adventures at Keeper of Glory and Inside My Nature Notebook.
2: If you have enjoyed this
0: episode, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.